0: Bigger, better, faster, more. Don't get left behind and don't you dare miss out. Ever feel like your life is at the constant speed of a sprint? The rush leaves little time for anything. But God wants time with you. So what's the rush? That's today on the podcast. Hey, this is Marisa from the Tower Hill production team. Thanks so much for listening in to our Tower Hill podcast. How many times have you packed your day so tight minute to minute that hitting one red light throws off the entire schedule? We're up early, out of the house, working through lunch, evening appointments, and what am I going to do for dinner? Ah, I'll just get takeout and another cup of coffee. Day after day, we max out our time until we drop. Well, it might be comforting to know that we all do it, and even before cars and sm- smartphones and internet, even Moses struggled with stretching himself too thin. This week, Pastor Jason talks about how Moses created some space in his busy life to spend time with God, and it made all the difference for him and for centuries to come. So how can we create space in our lives, and why is this space such a critical piece of a healthy spiritual life? Let's check it out right now.
1: Right in our series called Making Good Time." Saying yes to what matters most. And I think this is the time of year where I need this message, and I'm sure you need it too. How do we make the time for what matters most? Because time seems like that's the one commodity we do not have this time of year. And we are reminded that if God has a love language, it's time spent. It's time spent. Why? Because God loves us. He wants to spend time with us. And relationships require time. There's no way around that. Like, you don't get married and then be like, all right, see you later. That's not usually how it goes. I don't know if that would end particularly well. Because you have to keep spending time together in order to make it work. Relationships require time, no matter what the relationship. And God wants that time with us, not because he needs to get to know us. But so that we can get to know him. So we can discover what is his plan and purpose for our life. What about the way that I'm living my life is in line with what he wants for me? Am I getting to where uh, he wants me to go? And the reason I ask that question is because I believe that I'm not going to be as fulfilled. I'm not going to have the same level of joy. I'm not going to have the same level of peace as I do if I am right in line with where God wants me. Because that's what God wants For me, That's the thing that happens with a lot of people about God. They say, well, Christian faith, it's all about rules and all the things you're not supposed to do. God's trying to kill your good time, you know, (laughs) all that sort of thing. But the reality is, it's not that he wants something from us. He wants something for us. He knows that our life is going to be so much better when we are living it his way. The way that he designed us to live. And so then at some point, usually around January 1st every year, we feel guilty and we say, Okay, let me see, where can I fit God in? And we're like, Whoa, what happened? How in the world am I gonna fit God into this busy life that I have? And those of you, you have young kids, you're living this right now, you're living this in school. Lindsay, I'm glad you're here, because I know this gives you anxiety. I'm so sorry. (laughs) It's that you have little kids, you're living this life. But I want to challenge you, too, because I know some of you, maybe you're retired, maybe you're not in this stage of life, and you're kicking back, and you're like, okay, this sermon isn't for me. Okay. So I'm sure you're doing an absolutely perfect job of making time every day for God to dig into his word, because you're not as busy. Wrong, only because it's like, it's life. This is the human experience is that we squeeze God out because of all the commitments that we make. And I certainly know some of you that are busier now than you were when you were working, and you know that. (laughs) But why do we get so busy? Well, it's because we say yes to a lot of good things, and that's what trips us up. It's not like we're saying yes to a lot of bad things. Like, hmm, 2.30, shoplift, Like, that's not usually how our calendar fills up. We're thinking, um, well, we got this good thing and this good thing, and we pile up all these good things, but the danger is we're missing the most important thing in our life. The danger is, is that we squeeze out what God wants for us because sometimes we fail to make time for the right things. And whenever this happens, we will start to experience personal, emotional, spiritual breakdown. Even though we've committed our lives to all these good things, we will crash at some point. This happened to me three years ago. 2015. Seems like a long time ago. 2015. I, I was in a, a six-month window of my life That was probably the most stressful I've ever had. And some of it was I was being where God wanted me to be, and some of it was I said yes to too many good things. And that was when, and some of you were here during this time, when we decided that we were gonna renovate this sanctuary in order to accommodate the growth of this service we were experiencing in Webster Hall. We had outgrown our space. And I was dragged kicking and screaming by God to renovate the sanctuary because I knew that would be an emotional issue for many people. And I didn't want to be the pastor to ruin Tower Hill. Right? I felt that burden. I didn't want to to be that guy on my watch. You're the one. Ruin this place. I felt a tremendous amount of pressure because despite what you might think, I care very much about what you think of me. I want everyone to be happy. Isn't that reasonable? (laughs) It matters to me. I want everyone on board. I'm a pastor after all. I hope that's what what I should want, right? I want everybody on board. But it was a very stressful time. If you were here during that time, you know we had a lot of town hall meetings, and we had a lot of uh, presentations and discussions, and there was so much that happened behind the scenes with the elders, with trying to work together because there's no lone rangers in Presbyterian churches. Pastors work with the elders. That's why the elders are so important. So we worked together, and we had a consultant come in just to verify that we weren't crazy, that we were hearing God's voice. And we went through this whole consultant process, and everything was pointing in this direction. But it created a lot of pressure. I I certainly felt a lot of pressure. Now, I do believe God put me there for that time to do just what I did. But then I I was dumb. I said yes to a couple other things. Oh, and then at the same time, we were launching a capital campaign to pay for it. And so I was heavily involved in helping with the capital campaign. Then I got a couple of desperate emails from the recreation department. We need coaches. We're not going to have any teams. So I signed up to coach T-ball, and I coached soccer. That was a bad idea. Those were good things. But it wasn't good for me. It shrunk any margin in my life that I had to nothing. And then, and many of you remember this, um, I see uh, at least one person in the room who talked me through when I was at my worst. This led to the worst six months for me health-wise of my life. So we got all the way up to the launch of the service in here. Tower Hill Sunday, 2015, and I couldn't be here because I was on my back, unable to move. You see, the Friday before, I was giving a presentation for the capital campaign. (laughs) And as I'm talking, I literally felt my back tighten up to the point where it was stiff as a board and I could barely move. And I walked back to my office, like in the worst, it was horrible Frankenstein pain. And, and the guy, you know, somebody walked behind me they're like, this is a funny because don't we do this? How you doing? I'm fine. Everything's good here. I look perfectly normal. I was able to get into my car and get home, which took a long time. And I got into the house, and I had to lay on the floor. I couldn't move. And I had some really wonderful friends here who talked to me on the phone and said, okay, I've had back issues like this before. Try this, this, and this. And I had another person physically drive me to physical therapy. Uh, And uh, my physical therapist, who's also a, a member of the church, said that they hadn't seen many worse cases than mine when I walked in. I think there is a spiritual version of this that we all face where we have no more margin left in our lives to spend that time listening to God and it's like our spirits just clench up and we become immobile and we might experience pain and we might miss out on what God really wants for us because we've said yes to too many good things. And it has taken its toll on us. I was really feeling the need to, I felt like God was telling me to come back to this topic. We did it about a year ago as well, but I felt like, no, now's the time. To talk about it again. Because I know some of you, you're at that breaking point or close. And I don't believe that's what God wants for you. There's a wonderful moment in Scripture Where we get some practical advice of how to deal with this. And it's in Moses' story. Moses had just led the people out of Egypt, across the Red Sea, into the wilderness. God miraculously provides male, uh, male, quail and manna. Male, I just made it shorter. That could be a new, I kind of like that. Or quanna, not, not quite. But... God miraculously provides for them. And then Moses, he's now, all of a sudden, he's in this position of, like, president of everything. Like, nobody knows what else to do without Moses. Moses is the one. So let's go to Moses. Moses is going to take care of all of our needs, thousands and thousands of people. This is Exodus 18, 13 through 23. The next day, Moses took his seat to serve as judge for the people, and they stood around him from morning till evening. Ugh. That sounds exhausting. When his father in law, uh oh. When his, just kidding, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. When his father in law saw all that Moses was doing for the people, he said, What is this you are doing for the people? Why do you alone sit as judge while all these people stand around you from morning till evening? You ever have someone come into your life at one of those real stressful times? Like, why are you doing this to yourself? (laughs) It's not what I want to hear right now. Thank you. Moses answered him, because the people come to me to seek God's will. That sounds like a good thing, a really good thing. Whenever they have a dispute, it is brought to me, and I decide between the parties and inform them of God's decrees and instructions. Moses' father-in-law replied, What you are doing is not good. Whoa, whoa, what? I thought it was good. You and these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. The work is too heavy for you. You cannot handle it alone. Listen now to me, and I will give you some advice, and may God be with you. You must be the people's representative before God and bring their disputes to him. Teach them his decrees and instructions and show them the way they are to live and how they are to behave. But select capable men from all the people, men who fear God, trustworthy men who hate dishonest gain, and appoint them as officials over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. Have them serve as judges for the people at all times, but have them bring every difficult case to you. The simple cases they can decide themselves. That will make your load lighter because they will share it with you. If you do this and God so commands, you will be able to stand the strain and all these people will go home satisfied. Words of wisdom from Jethro What you are doing is not good. You can't say yes to every good thing, but you can accomplish the most important thing. By sharing the work with others. Because here's the important part. Moses needed margin. That was great timing. Moses needed margin. I find it no coincidence and actually pretty amazing. The very next thing that happens in Exodus. Moses goes to Mount Sinai to hear from God. That's where he gets the Ten Commandments, one of the most important moments in all of God's people, the delivery of the covenant. And I wonder, would Moses had ever made it to Mount Sinai if he would have filled his life with the good things and not had any time for anything else? In other words, in order for him to get where all of us needed to go, in order to get to hear from God and to go to Mount Sinai, he needed to say no to some things that were good. Otherwise, he wouldn't have the time for what mattered most that time that he needed with God. Let me be your Jethro. What you are doing is not good. And you have permission to be my Jethro. We need to help each other. So that our lives aren't just filled with busyness where we're just reacting all the time. But it's, we're making sure that we have enough margin to be communicating with God when we need to on a regular basis, so that we can hear his plan for our life. The truth is, you need margin in order to go where God wants you to go. You need margin to go to your Mount Sinai. You need margin to hear from God and receive what he wants to give you. And there's good news in all of this, is that I don't think it can take a lot of time in your day to make this happen. We'll get to that because margin is intentional. Here's why you need margin in your life. Here's why we all need it. I feel like it's like playing Marco Polo in the pool. If you're not familiar with that game, I don't know what to do. That's like the most universal game. All right, Marco Polo, which by the way, I I was reading a little bit online about the origin of that game. I knew it was true because I read it online. And, uh, It's weird. It's like a weird origin. Google it. It's kind of a fun little rabbit trail. Anyway, Marco Polo, you're in the pool. You have one person who's it with their eyes closed. They yell Marco. The people yell Polo, and you're supposed to find them by hearing their response. And I feel like listening to God is like a game of spiritual Marco Polo. But the problem is our head is under the water, and we can't hear what he says back. Marco... Because our lives are literally underwater. We have no margin. We have no room to hear what he says and to follow accordingly. You don't win that game if you yell Marco and just go underwater. But it's hard to have margin when you're always reacting. Just reacting to your life. I had someone uh, tell me. I had a good friend. We were talking about, you know, how busy we were. This is a fellow pastor, and I we were talking about how busy we were and everything else. And he said something to me that I needed to hear, but I didn't want to hear. He said, "Who's responsible for your calendar?" I knew we was going immediately when he asked that question. I'm like, "Ooh." Well, uh, he's like, "No, no, no." Said, I am. I've allowed my schedule to be what it is. I've allowed it. So who do I blame if I feel like I don't have enough time with God? Who do I ask to make a change? Because I can't I can't listen to God when I'm just reacting to my life. You you know that. You've had the same thing. You're just reacting to life. There's not a whole lot else you can do. You're just reacting. So we need to be intentional about listening to God. Well, how can we be intentional? I, I've refrained so much from talking about football, but not today. <laughs> because I see so many similarities in how uh, football training works in our spiritual lives. How can we make room for God in our everyday life? I feel like the two are so close. I even think for pastors, kind of like GMs, you know, like, we're trying to get the most out of the people who God's brought to us. and uh, Yeah, anyway. That's a little bit of a stretch, but you can see I'm passionate. But I think it's kind of like uh, when I was playing football, there are some things that happened that I feel like have some spiritual correlation. Because every coach will tell you that games are won on the practice field. Games are won on the practice field. What do I mean by that? Well, You don't practice well. You don't get it all figured out. You're not going to be able to execute when it's time to play the game. You don't get it all down in practice. You're going to be either overthinking or making bad decisions or whatever it is going to be in the actual game. It's going to be really hard to perform well. And I think this is true with our spiritual life. If all you're doing is reacting every January 1st, hmm, time to crack open the Bible. Genesis 1. How many people have read Genesis like 50 times? Never anything else, right? That's right. Because that's where everybody starts. Genesis 1, in the beginning. Genesis 30. I'll finish it tomorrow. Oh, tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow. Oh, it's next year already. (laughs) Funny how that happens. If I weren't a pastor, I'd be such a slacker, I'm telling you. I'm like forced. It's a good thing. All right. So, what you have to do and this is one on the practice field, so what do I mean is well, the first thing is practice the purpose of practice is, is part of it is to develop muscle memory. What do I mean? Well, you go, go through certain drills so that you get so good at that particular technique that you no longer have to think about the technique. You just simply go out and play and your body is in the right position. So what do I mean? Well, I was built to play. Uh, The line was not a wide receiver, quarterback, or anything like that. It was built to move people, move big people. And one of the drills that we did that I hated the most... Now, listen, anybody play high school football? Yeah. So when we were in high school, we had three-a-day practices in August. These pros don't even practice... Anyway, three-a-days. But whenever it was time to do cages... That was my least favorite thing ever. I feel like hell is me doing cages over and over and over and over again. And the dishes, somehow. I'm doing the dishes and cages. <laughs> it's, but the purpose, of, and the idea of cages was to get, for alignment, it's all about leverage. you got to get your body low. So you get into that, under that cage, the coach will blow the whistle, and you have to pop out of the cage and block the person in front of you. Well, that drill they did tens, fifties, hundreds of times. And it was exhausting. And you were sore and you hated it. But when it came time to play the game, I didn't have to think about getting low. I didn't have to think about the position of my body. I developed muscle memory. It was already there. I just thought about how do I execute the play. I think this is true in our making time for God category. If you start making time for God in your life, regular time, and I don't mean like you've got to Learn the original Hebrew and Greek and spend three hours a day chanting in the desert. It's like this should be part of your everyday life that can take minutes a day, but years of impact. If you develop a regular rhythm of a time and a place to have your quiet time with God, you're going to start to develop that muscle memory. Time with God. And you figure out what that time looks like ahead of time. So you're not just reacting to your life. You make plans. So let me share with you a ritual that I'm currently in. To give you an idea of what I'm talking about. Um, My rituals change according to the year. uh, What part of the year we're in. But in the nice weather months, my ritual is I get up in the morning and I walk. And it's a prayer walk. I get up, I hit my alarm, feet hit the floor, I'm out. I'm I don't even think about it anymore because it's a regular part of my day. I just know I'm up, I walk downstairs, I put on my shoes, I go for a walk. And this is what my walk looks like in my neighborhood. Halfway is I just give thanks to God for anything and everything I could think of. Thank you, God, that I could get up and walk today. Thank you, God, that my back feels okay today. Thank you, God, that... um, You know, you've blessed me with everything that I have. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you how you showed up yesterday in my life, in that particular situation, in that phone call, in that relationship. Thank you so much for how you showed up. Then, when I'm starting to turn my way and head back home, then it becomes God, here's what I pray for today. Will you show up in this part of my day today? Will you, I pray that you'll help in this situation? Be with this person as they're going through surgery, be with, that's my asking phase. And it's become my daily habit. And what happens is I develop a muscle memory so that I'm ready to go. Morning hits and I'm out the door. And that becomes my time with God. It doesn't take very long. Then once you have that regular time built into your muscle memory, you got to do something with it. you got to learn the playbook. You don't learn the playbook, you're not going to know what you're doing out there. So what do I mean learn the playbook? Well, this is the part that you all know, because this is the part that we always jump to first. You've got to dive in to the Scripture in your life. If the only time you're ever hearing anything about Scripture is when you're waiting for me or Pastor Julie to deliver it, it's not enough. It's not enough. It's going to take way too long to learn the playbook. I want to give you some real practical ideas because this is the part where a lot of people get stuck because you feel like, well, I don't think I know enough. That's the point. That's why you do it. You get in and you learn it. Let me give you a couple ideas. The first is technology free. So if you're not a technology person, this one's for you. Open your Bible. (laughs) That's right. That was sort of a joke, but open your Bible, but this is called the inductive Bible study method. If any of you ever did Bible study fellowship. They, I know that they teach this method. You may have picked it up somewhere else. But it's a very simple method. And I would suggest start with the New Testament. Don't start with the Old Testament. You already know how Genesis goes. Start with the New Testament. Because you're going to have a better shot of being able to interpret it. Because there's not all those cultural barriers of ADH in Hebrews that maybe you aren't sure about. So start there. And ask three questions. Pick a passage and ask three questions. That's it. Pick a passage, ask three questions. Question 1, what does it say? Literally, what on the surface level what is it saying? Make sure you understand cognitively what is it saying? Number 2, what does it mean? In other words, what do I think it meant to the people who were that Jesus was talking to or the situation? What does it mean? Then the third is, what does it mean to me? You'll be amazed at how much you learn and how much you know and how much you could figure out on your own with those three questions. And it will take you all of five minutes. The next two are uh, technology examples. The first is many of you use and love the YouVersion Bible app. Uh, This is a free app that's available on all platforms. This thing is gold. If you don't know where to start, it has tons, tons of devotions that come up on your phone automatically. So you got it in your muscle memory that you're getting time with God. It literally just shows up, and you read it, respond to it, watch a video, read a passage, whatever. It's got reading plans. It's got topical plans. It's got everything. It's fantastic. That's another option. Another option, too, is we do, in this church, we do Facebook Bible studies from time to time. Now, if you go onto our Facebook page, uh, Tower Hill Church, you'll find the Tower Hill Bible studies group. You could join that, and although right now, there's my, that was the morning cup of coffee. Hey! That's the sound effect I'm making there in that picture. Um, But the idea is, uh, we'll go through 20 or sometimes 40 days, and I create a devotional for you that's five minutes or less. It's got scripture, a story, and an application point for the day. Five minutes or less. So the next one's going to be in uh, November. We're going to do 20 days of thanks. And, uh, but until then, you could jump on there now because there are already 60 videos on there. There are two months' worth of videos. You could go back and watch them and use that for your morning or whenever you can get to God. I do it in the morning to meet with God because I feel like I don't get to it if it doesn't happen in the morning. These are some practical ways that you can connect and you can learn. And you can start listening and learning the playbook. And then the third thing is what happens on the practice field is you start to identify what it takes to win. And that is you're removing obstacles that are going to prevent you from executing it. So you have obstacles. The biggest obstacle for me in my daily time with God was that I'm like, oh, you know, I should do it in the morning. But my kids get up so early. Why won't they sleep? When are they going to be teenagers and just want to sleep all the time? And then I'm sure I'll complain about that when that stage happens. But so I had to just get up earlier. Did I want to at first? No. But I did. And then it became part of my muscle memory. Now, actually, I can't sleep in. but You all know that for your own life. If that's Whatever the obstacle is for you, you got to get it out of the way or it's going to keep coming out. It's not going to go anywhere. It will still be an obstacle for you. Whatever that is. I know some of you, you're like, well, you know, I'm commuting in the morning and I know, I know lots of uh, men and women who do their, t- their devotional time, their time with God during the commute. There are always ways to do that. If we don't make margin in our lives for God, we might miss our Mount Sinai. Relationships require time. God wants time with you. Why? Because he wants to give you the life that he's planned for you. He doesn't want you to be so stressed out with the things in your calendar that you crumble under its pressure. He wants you to live in freedom and joy, fulfillment and purpose and faith, hope, and love. That's what God wants for you. Let's not stick our head under water anymore. Let's be open to listen and make time for what matters most. Amen.